Welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lankian. Guys, he was here, but he said he had to go kill a scamp, which sounds real ominous. Uh, In the meantime, I would like to welcome back to the fog, the one, the only, the bearded continuity guru who probably knew before we did that we were now in our seventh anniversary as a show. It is Steve Beckley. Steve, sir, how are you, my friend? Hello, guys. Great to be here again. There's just one of us here right now, Steve, so I don't know who you're talking to, but... uh... (laughs) Theater of the mind. (laughs) Yes, the scam. (laughs) Um, Steve, do me a favor. Why don't you sharpen a few stakes in case Reed comes back, you know, different. Uh, I'm going to remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now. When I explain that you can find all things foggy at the fear of God podcast.com things such as, and especially how to support us on Patreon more on that momentarily, because who is emerging from the fog, but the one and only Reed Lackey, you're now here. I am now here. Yes, you are. I, uh, Reed. Yeah, Steve's here. I had to just, uh, I had to just take care of some. Hi, Steve. How's it going? I had to, you know, have uh, took care of some scampi, uh, some some after dinner scampi. I had some shrimp oh. scampi the other night. That was yummy. Oh man, <laughs> I love shrimp scampi. Yep. It's one of my favorites. It's yeah, so mm, delightful, nice and bloody. Mm. Oh, oh, uh, Reed, yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> Beckley's beard. That's that's his. That should be it's, your um, Insta handle now, it, Beckley's beard. It's it's profound. Oh yes. <laughs> Beckley's there was beard. a um there was a gosh what was it on lost uh that hurley geronimo jack's beard yes geronimo yes. jack's beard <laughs> we're now yes. geronimo because Beckley's geronimo beard. yeah because geronimo jackson was the fictional band in the show yes. so they like geronimo jack's mm-hmm. beard yes yes i did Indeed. remember that wow some things just things <laughs> <laughs> just stay with you uh, <laughs> whether you want like, to or not really you remembered Geronimo Jack's beard out of all those things. Exactly. exactly. But not your children's names. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh, okay. My. Um, guys, uh, a little bit of business. we got to get to here. Um, oh, one busy. listeners. If you're finding us for the first time today, welcome. And know that today we are covering a patron selection from patron continuity guru bearded beckley himself the film is 2010's stakeland and is part mm-hmm. of our yes fog a wiener series of episodes this year we'll get back to that 
in a minute. Today's conversation is also going to feature a patron-only segment with the three of us sharing a watcha, where we discuss media we've been digesting other than horror stuff. And after that, we'll come back for our main discussion of Stakeland. The second order of business today is join Patreon. It's a great way to show your love for this, your favorite podcast, uh, and can net you bonuses like extra content every single episode, as well as events like happy hour horror hangouts and Fogoween. We're still a little bit away from Fogoween. Not far, a little bit though. Uh, but attend that, the Fog Halloween party at the end of October, uh, attend that by becoming a patron and you get to suggest titles uh, for us to cover called Fogoweeners which is what Beckley's Stakeland is today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, yeah. Hey, keep it out of the gutter, boys. Uh, last we gloss over Happy Hour Horror Hangout, though, another one's coming up. Uh, a unique every couple of months event for patrons. Four H's are let your hair down, grow your beard out style, live Zoom sessions with your fogger pals, catch up, share a laugh, share a story, share some life together. Uh, the next Happy Hour Horror Hangout will be Sunday, September 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, that is enough business for now, Reed. Beckley, let's say we all watch her for the patrons, and then we'll come back to vamp a bit about today's film, Stakeland. That's what I'll do. I'll just keep talking about it. It's just like, yeah, you're just, you're just gonna, I'm just okay. going to keep talking. About it. So about this movie. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Stink. Uh, y'all, <laughs> I was going to say talk amongst yourselves for a second, but I'm worried it's going to turn into more wrestling chatting. Uh, mm-hmm. Reed, you should. AEW is all got, in. You know, okay. Reed, here's the thing. <laughs> you know how you sort of are arguably responsible for getting me into horror at least in a real concentrated way okay I'll receive um that. and then we started a a uh, podcast about it like you could talk True. me in to a fog spinoff show of the nathan and reed wrestling hour <laughs> where you we walk through all the things you your little heart wants to talk about wrestling style man uh, wrestling related and um oh, you know i'll oh, i'll come along for the ride and we can that you is, know interview that is, the great muta and uh you know don't, Hacksaw don't Jim Duggan say it yeah don't and, say it um, <laughs> don't say it unless, don't say it unless you mean it don't hey, say man, it unless you mean I, life is life is short do what you love and i love talking hey. to my friend and especially when it's about asinine dumb shit you know <laughs> <laughs> okay oh my god about this Great. movie uh, uh america has fallen a vampiric vampiric scourge vampiric. sweeps the nation didn't ask turning brother on brother and parent <laughs> on child as the blood hungry beasts take deeper and deeper hold upon the land it's hard for the survivors to know whether to be more afraid of the creatures themselves or the violent religious groups that have sprung up in response, but there is clearly only one choice. Fight or die. Okay. Yeah. Um, Beckley, you 
submitted Stakeland as your Fogga Wiener. Uh, and, rem, uh, you know, for those who weren't present at Fogga Wiener 2023, um, catch us up a little bit. Like, what was your, you know, did you just stumble upon this one? Like, like, how did you, how did you come to this one? What made you want to submit it for conversation? Do you regret that now you're here with us? <laughs> I do not. I do not regret it. Good. I remember at the time I was looking through uh, my letterbox star ratings and just looking out, looking for movies uh, like from the last 10 or 20 years. And uh, this was the one I had given. This is one of the ones I had given a, a high star rating. I think I'd given a, a, a five, yeah, five star rating for it. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. refreshing letterbox right now. So I can make sure. Oh, no, I actually gave it a four stars, but I think I might give it another half star now. Um, <laughs> Wait till we're done with the conversation. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I was even impressed by the fact that it was like an independent movie. Um, sure. This, uh, yeah. this director, Jim Mickle, and, and then the ma- main star of the movie, uh, Nick Demicki, was also the co-screenwriter with Mickle. Yeah. Um, and but did you? But did you? Did, when you submitted it last year, had you seen it recent to that? Or no, no, I was just me- going on my memory of of almost ten years ago when I saw it before. Okay, cool. Um, over ten years ago, and uh, so I hadn't seen it again until just today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I'm still pretty impressed with it. But uh, um, so I'm interested in uh, getting into uh, you know thinking about the themes of the movie and how they relate to 2010 and how they relate to if they're still relevant today. Um, but I, I think they, at first, at first thought, I think they probably are relevant to both times. And uh, I think the, I think the makeup effects are really good in it. And uh, they really sets a specific mood a tone in the movie. Uh, it's, sure. very, mm-hmm. it's very somber. And there's, it's, it's not like action packed throughout. There's, there's a lot of moments of uh, reflection and, uh, uh character development um yeah very dirty um, grimy movie and it's maybe it ma- mm-hmm. makes you think of like uh the road with uh Viggo Mortensen mm-hmm. um or other zombie like movies even though this was like bloodthirsty vampires even more like uh makes me think of uh 28 days later that mm-hmm. kind of tone were you gonna say yes anything? totally uh well all I was gonna do I was correcting a, a actor name on my notes here um but you know, um, this is what's fun about the fog to me. Um, uh, I don't know how Reed would define fun, um, other than <laughs> men and sweaty men. Wrestling, touch wrestling. Each other. Yes, you know, it's the forty X. Wow, um, <laughs> loser brother. <laughs> what you what you gonna do? Hulk <laughs> Mania runs over you. Um, okay, so <laughs> we know every fun. Um, uh, I I just really enjoy like a movie I never would have just known existed, none was out there. Just get exposed to it and and watching it. And I'll, I'll say for me, kind of telegraphing a little bit, I, I dug it. I, I was like, this is pretty. Just like. You know, it's clearly got a little bit of low budget ishness to it, but not bad enough. Like it, it still looks good. Um, and and just kind of found it overall. Like, yes, this is what you know, kind of fans of the genre, like at least for me, you know, kind of find as the bread and butter, right? You know, not, uh, and I will tell the funny story that so I watched this on a plane, and I am very sensitive to like 
the horror stuff I watch on a plane, you know, specifically because this happens every now and then. I I, I uh, will occasionally remind listeners of the story of watching the new Suspiria and the deeper that movie got. And I was mm-hmm. fortunately in a window seat. I had turned my iPad. So it was like literally facing the wall. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this movie. So like the <laughs> iPad's facing the wall. I'm kind of looking at it at an angle here. Uh, on this particular one, I was on an aisle seat uh, and chose to have my iPad just in my lap. So yes, I had a bit of a crick in my neck by the time it was over because I, I just didn't know the content of the film, how strong it would get or not in terms of the visual aspect. And I am, I do try to be a sensitive uh, uh, co uh, uh, flyer with people um, and, and, you know, kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I didn't prop it on the little stand or anything, but watch it all put the brightness really low. I like to tell the context of watching these movies to illustrate the fact that even in that context, I came away being like, that was fun. Uh, you know, really <laughs> solid, like hour and a half, like hour 40, something like that. Um, and even in a context where I'm being pretty sensitive about, you know, the eyes around me being able to watch it or not still just kind of thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so no, I, I, I found it, uh, a really fun, uh, bit of horror entertainment that I was glad we engaged here. Reed, had you, were you aware of it before Beckley's? Oh yeah. Very. So, um, so I, yeah, (laughs) no, I'm just (laughs) saying I saw this film proximal to its release. Um, I uh, think here's this is uh, dating me, I guess. Um, if memory serves, I uh, got this from Netflix, but not streaming. I got sure. this uh, Look out. from their DVD service, uh, which is, uh, I think, coming to a close. Fully I think I probably finally. saw it that way, too, originally. Yeah. 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 I had heard about the film, was intrigued by the premise um and uh was just looking for something a little different now here's the thing that's interesting is i remember liking the film i had only seen it the one time and i remember liking it and i remember thinking fondly about it thinking it was competently constructed and that it was it was uh, a really good movie um but when you had pitched it to us uh steve i i remember my thoughts being like oh yeah yeah stakeland stakeland's good but but that's kind of where my energy rose for it i was like yeah stakeland's good um Watching it this time around, uh, again, forecasting my own thoughts, I was so thankful for the opportunity to revisit the film and and to talk about it again. You talked about uh, maybe going and raising it a star rating on your Letterboxd. Um, I had not rated it on Letterboxd yet because I don't think I could remember exactly how I felt about it. But yeah, I, I, uh, I gave it four and a half. I thought... Um, it was an exceptional film. It was a film. It was This was interesting to me. You mentioned its tone. I think this is a, this is a triumph in tonal acuity like it is absolutely it's never maudlin it's never droll it is it is perfectly balanced between like uh, a a bit of heart and a bit of dread um it's it, it's not self-serious but uh it really it, it's very impressive to look at this film and then think about it in light of more recent successes like say the last of us because i'm like i kept thinking about i was like man this film is doing a very similar kind of comparable thing but was doing it you know almost 15 years earlier um and so was very very impressed with it i was very impressed with the performances i remembered the presence of kelly mcgillis um and uh danielle harris from the film uh but re-engaging it this time around uh just further elevated my appreciation and respect for what they achieve here um i i this is going to be very very 
high praise, but but I'll kind of stand by it. Uh, I wrote in my Letterboxd review that I feel like this is kind of Akira Kurosawa by way of Cormac McCarthy. Uh, I really feel like the characterizations that they're driving towards um, are really very thoughtful and uh, they, they have a lot of depth to them. Uh, and I just really, I yeah, I, I love this film. I thought this film was fantastic. I'm excited to be talking about it. So, yeah, that's my take. What's funny about your reference in Danielle Harris is for whatever reason, I really, I mean, it's, the reason is it's me, but I had downloaded it before the flight didn't look up anything as I tend to do with new stuff that we're going to cover. I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to let it wash over me. Uh, and watching it on the plane, I kept wanting to look up like actor names and stuff like that. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't uh, know what year it released, but I'm on a plane. Oh. I don't have Wi-Fi, So I'm like, Oh, well, I'm just going to enjoy the movie then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah Daniel yeah. Harris looks relatively young here, but you know, I don't know when this came out. She always has um, really though. <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, yes, that's true. Except in the victim. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um any Six any degrees. specific Yeah, there you go. Uh any specifics, uh, just kind of general highlights of the production or anything you want to talk about before we get into some betting rights. Yeah, I also noticed Even. in the in the cast list there's another person uh from a Halloween movie, Marianne Hagen, who was in the uh uh yeah, she was in Curse of Michael Myers. Curse of Michael Myers, yeah. yeah. She was a doctor yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very brief scene. She's she's the one that he gives the pills to after he's after she's taking a look at Martin. Um, but uh yeah, very brief scene, but good to see her show up. Yeah. And uh, I know the actor I know of the actor, uh, Michael Cerverus, who uh, yeah. played he's the main antagonist, Jebediah Lovin, yeah, fringe. And uh I've seen him in a few other things, but is it totally different from his character from Fringe? <laughs> Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very read, emotionless, read, stoic. Did you watch Fringe. Uh, pieces of it early on, which is really ironic about Fringe, is I, you know, such a huge Leonard Nimoy fan, and I know he shows up later on, and I bowed out on the show before he arrived to it. It's a show that I keep thinking about maybe revisiting at some point because I never, I just, I bowed out on it. I think a bit too early, uh, based on the affection that gets uh, tossed around about it. It's I guess, it's super I guess, solid. Uh, yeah. Kaylin McGillis, I don't know if we would call it like a comeback, but she was in, uh, I think, another movie the following year, uh, The Innkeepers. Oh, yeah. From a yeah, Ty yeah. West. Yeah. Ty West. Yeah. Ty West directed Innkeepers. So maybe she's kind of just coming into being a, uh, or it's, it's a bit number of years after now. So, but uh, she had a mm-hmm. period where she was like a scream queen and, and a resurgent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I really enjoy, well, and, and uh, I really enjoy her role in this um i feel like what's impressive about this film is i feel like these characters are very distinct without the film overburdening us with a lot of details about Mm -hmm. them they are we we kind of know from the moment they step on screen who they are and that is hard to pull off um and and i think that was one of the things that really impressed me about it i was like i i know that's rooted in performance but it's also rooted in just general construction uh from the script and from the tone that the film sets uh to be able to deliver that so precisely i feel like is uh is an achievement that is too often uh overlooked when it's done well and so i really wanted to highlight that because i yeah i i love these performers yeah and i've kept an eye out for this director but i think i've only seen one other movie of his since i've seen stake lane and that's uh we are what we are yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the the biggest thing, and I this has been on my radar for a while because I read the graphic novel, but he is the showrunner slash creator of the Netflix series Sweet Tooth, which is something oh. that I really yeah. So I, I uh, it seeing uh, that he had done Stakeland and Sweet Tooth was already on my radar. I was like, ooh. I, it, huh. it further drove me to like, I'm, I'm probably going to check that out. Yeah, that's a well-made uh, show. I've seen I'd... some of that because my, my son was watching it for a while. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard do it's very know, good. Do y'all know is the, um, is, the, is the sequel to this any good? Yeah, and that it's was released on, I I think, directly it. to the Sci-Fi Channel and and the director, oh, Jim okay. Mickle, from, from the first movie didn't direct that. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> some of the actors came back, though. I have um, not. Uh, I have not seen it, um, so we couldn't speak to it. What I have seen, though, one last thing, maybe before we go into that, ain't rights. Um, so the film was originally conceived as a series of web episodes. It came out about the time where that was a burgeoning sort of concept, uh, and it was pitched as, "Hey, maybe we could do thirty or forty of these, eight minutes at a time." Larry Fessenden, who is a, a, a horror, um, you know, he's a notable horror. Uh, I wouldn't. It might be difficult to call him an icon, but he's he's uh, recognized and and very well respected in the horror community. Hey, he's an actor, um, but, director, and producer. He had a bit part in one scene of this movie as the bartender, right? That's exactly right. Yep, yeah. that's him. And um and he saw this and said, like, you know what, you need to do. I think I think this would work as a film. But he took a very big hand in crafting what the film would eventually become. What's interesting though, last thing I'll mention is they did release, so they so they migrated from a, a webisode series into a feature film. But what they did do, uh, and, and these are all on YouTube, you can check them out. I watched them before the, for this conversation, but I saw them for the first time for this conversation, um, was uh, there's a sequence of eight uh, like prequel episodes that they delivered one that is just called origins and then each of our main characters sorry not eight there's seven of them because each of our main characters gets a five minute prequel treatment uh huh. sister martin mr um bell uh jebediah they all get like three to five minutes <clears throat> before they come into the primary play of Stakeland. We see them beforehand. They're they're excellent. If you loved this film, cool. They take about twenty five minutes to watch all seven of them, so it's very low buy in. And if you enjoyed this film and want to see more of this, I highly recommend just going back. Even if you could just consider them novelty, they add further character depth to what we see transmitted on the screen. Very 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 good. It's funny you say it. It it migrated from a more episodic format because I mean even the film. Not in a bad way. It has a little bit of that structure to it, you know, yeah, chapter yeah. sort of based sort of storytelling to it. Absolutely. Well, you know, you guys are running off of the mouth on webisodes and, you know, storytelling formats and sequels. Because guys, 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 lest we forget, we're a horror show. Okay. So if it's gory, if it's gross, if it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show that we call. Hey, right. Sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> that <was> perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, Beckley, you are our guest. Why don't you go first with a hey, that ain't right? Okay. 
Well, this is a this is really a road movie, um, and starts out with uh, with uh, Martin, this uh, teen who uh, I guess he lives on a farm with his parents. And there's a scene where he loses his parents, and he goes along with uh, with his his sort of mentor companion for the rest of the movie, uh, Mister. He's just known as Mister, and they pick up companions, they lose companions, pick up another companion, lose companions along the way, that kind of thing. And I suppose it was close to the climax of the movie. They have this companion named Willie and they're going through an area that seems a bit, they thought it would be a safe place, but it seemed like there's ominous, like there's whispers or voices in the shadows and shadows falling upon them or, <laughs> but Willie, so all of a sudden Willie's not there and they don't know what happened to Willie. And then I think, his torso just falls down from the trees. Oh, it's awful. And that's that's kind of a jump scare. And then there's dead Willie. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, yeah, that's that's the, that's the right. top scare for your yeah. wiener. That's for sure. Um, and it, it ain't uh, right. The sudden, the sudden, uh, especially because the dude departure. just went out to take a yeah. leak in the middle of the night. That's a, oh, is that what it was? That's when we last saw him. Yeah, that's uh, a rough way to go. Um. Mm-mm. Uh, some dead willy style um <laughs> wow wow let's see dead willy style i've got one if you need some time <laughs> yeah do it do it so I-, I saw this film proximal to its release remembered liking it remembered uh thinking it was good but there was very few of the specific details about the film that i could remember one i definitely remembered because first time and did so even more so the second time around just broke my heart uh was bell's death um just Mm. absolutely broke my heart not only just like the 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 scene where martin and mister are outside and they hear her screaming in the silo my god i was like i was like you cannot like number one it's uh, this is not a pejorative this is a term of endearment like uh, it's adorable little danielle harris like number two she's pregnant number three throughout her presence in this film she continues to endear herself like i love that little scene where they're they you know she, her baby is kicking and she's like let me out you know he, she's giving him a voice like let me out i want to meet everybody you know like it, she's just a sweet character so to hear her characters just screams from a distance but then when they when they find her and when they see her it's not gratuitously exploitative it's just devastatingly sad she's she's been wrapped in in barbed wire and she's clearly been bitten by these vampires it's just devastating it's the it's the only thing going into this film's rewatch that i could still remember happened that i could still kind of remember the visuals of what it looked like because it had stayed so with me so that's my that ain't right it's just it's such a devastating gut punch uh, when she gets taken out. Um, it's just, yeah, it's almost a bit taboo. You know, you're you're really going to kill the 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 pregnant young girl. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, well, it's, it's funny you say that because when the movie opens with the monster eating the baby, I was like, oh, 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 start mm, here. You know? There's that. Yeah, there's yeah, that. There we are, Stakeland. Um, welcome to Stakeland. Um, medium rare please (laughs) um wow wow so this would categorically be kind of a blend of that ain't right and like slash love 
Um, because I was just scanning my that ain't rights, and there's there's some some fair stuff there, and maybe we'll do a, a second round of of honorable mentions, perhaps. But what begins as a that ain't right moment, but turns into just you know stakeland badassery, is when now we all know Mister has not been killed uh, at this point, but he's 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 been taken off the board ostensibly, um, in the narrative, and martin is at the car and the that ain't right part is he sees this really excellently shot visual of down the road a female Mm. vamp just crouching but staring down at the ground so it's all think almost samara ring style uh visual but instead of you know kind of looking up it's it's the hairs draped towards the concrete but the way it's framed she's kind of in the lower left quadrant and it's just a really excellently framed and shot night image and then just starts running roaring at mark who's who's at the back of the car and he's prepped he's you know we're not we we know he's skilled and could probably handle himself um so that isn't the total concern but it it takes this pivot that i i didn't see coming where uh Mm. mister is who has been hiding in the trunk uh who's uh, gotten away from the peril he was in the the trunk opens up he grabs martin and just pulls him into the trunk with him and it closes it's just a great kind of action mm-hmm. moment and set piece that turns into uh you know kind of I- i'm gonna say car chase though there's only one car in it but the female vamp in question is is latched onto the side he uh says a pretty great line of i hate f- vampires yeah. and then kind of hereditaries her into a a nearby tree um so that whole sequence was probably one of the best like okay these these folks know what they're doing and 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 kind of have a capable hand uh at constructing the not just the story they're telling but the way they're telling it too so really loved that uh as my that ain't right you think that uh line i hate i hate effing vampires was the was that reference to uh what the the last last line of lost boys oh it does kind of echo that that's interesting yeah <laughs> yeah it wouldn't surprise me if there was a wink any honorable um, mentions for that ain't right um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna toss a big old fat Do it. y'all y'all suck on the brotherhood like when you learn from willie not only are the brotherhood like this weird freakish cult but that they actively propagated the further vampirism in america by like running cars into you know crowded spaces and that they're basically why once people would lock down then they would be trapped because this freaking brotherhood would go and drop vampires on them from helicopters and everything it's just just y'all suck <laughs> like god like it's just it's just awful now wh- when we're when we get into themes, there's there's more substance there that I won't be so glib about. But I was like, my God, really? Like you just, oh, it's just dreadful to think about. But anyway, yes, basically anything the Brotherhood, um, not to be confused with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants led by Magneto. Uh, these guys are wow. probably worse. Um, Talk about my wrestling, you know, just in the comic book. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you you're such an athlete reed you're in the sports i'm just a nerd reading comic books you know <laughs> that was it's not the jocks. joke it's the jocks oh. versus the nerds all over again um, and i guarantee you anybody looking at us would be like who's the jock and who's the nerd they would guess wrong they would absolutely guess wrong I well, they don't know you're wily you're you're <laughs> You're, <laughs> you're fast i'm getting old i'm slow getting slower in my age um i do want to call out we're in that ain't rights. So we're going to pivot out of this in a second i love i'm tempted to have y'all name a best kill uh, if you can scan your list and come up with one do that i'm going to go ahead and name one i've got a second on deck and if neither of you name it i love the random but excellently staged kill of the santa vamp do you remember this Mm-hmm. yeah there's just one it's so random there's just this vamp dressed as santa i even in my memory he even is a little chubby too and he's just taking a leak yeah. in the road okay. and you're even as a viewer you're like okay that's a random choice and then he just gets arrowed and falls over mm-hmm. and it's martin mr and bell all just arrayed in the front of the car you know just working on their skills their survival skills so love that one uh anybody else with a with a best kill anyone going once i i would well yeah i would just cite since i mean since we're going there it's the the one that immediately came to mind it's not a kill of a vampire though it's when uh the brotherhood jerks are coming out there and then uh one is running away and it's just like no thank you and just like chucks the chucks the oh god what does even chuck at him it's a blade of some sort but it's it's the belmont cross reed yeah yeah that's right and it just it goes right into his back, just levels the guy. It's oh, it's great. That's the it, only thing missing the shot from this movie. Is so awesome. Yes, it is. That's the only thing missing from this movie is at some point saying someone being like, "Okay, Mister." Okay, well, and he and he shows like the Belmont crest. Oh, he like pulls his did, jacket back, and he's actually yes, yes, in the line. He's definitely a Belmont because, yeah, because when Belmont he threw that thing for any you know Castlevania players in the house. That's what it looks like when a Belmont throws mm-hmm. that cross. Mm-hmm. It's the it's it's you know kind of whoop 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 whoop. That's what he did. So, so Beckley, awesome. any favorite kills from yourself? Uh, the one that comes to mind is the uh, when the, when the sister first joined them. Uh, I think it was later that night uh, or the next night they she ran into a vampire that was an old friend of hers, like another nun, right? Yep, Sister oh, Agatha. Sister Agatha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh uh, yes. I guess uh, Mr. and uh, Martin, they were supposed to work together to to kill her off, and uh, and Martin choked, but then uh, Mr. took her out, but uh, and ditched the way that she was running after them. Was like maybe it was more the threat than the kill, but I thought it was pretty memorable there. But and he was yeah. like, yeah, uh, she was she was the kind of vampire that uh, I don't know she wasn't the one with the, with the, like the the bone that you couldn't get to the heart. Uh, no, she a wasn't berserker a berserker, but they did no. have trouble getting through. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, they 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 had trouble killing her. Martin stabbed her at the wrong place. So maybe she was hard to find where her mm-hmm. heart was. Yep. Um, yep. It's just the excellent gentleman. Thank you for your offerings of that and rights and best kills. That is what we do here because, you know, did you squirm? Did you wince? Did you squint? Did you squint? <laughs> hey, did you squint your eyes real tight? Uh, <laughs> at the squelches. did you did you squelch at the squinches <laughs> it was probably because of what we around here call that ain't right that sure as hell ain't right all right 
Oh my god, it ain't. So what's really funny is usually I have I'm trying to think of what I ate for dinner because <laughs> I'm having a I just you know we record late Eastern Standard Time and I like to have a little come down during it and I grab one of my wife's blue moons. My wife is a blue moon fan and I don't think it's uh you know I'm here. I'm here, but uh, oh, okay. Your, oh, your wife's okay. blue moons. Yeah, okay. You're, yeah, 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 yeah. Wondering, <laughs> wondering how much you ate, huh? No, no, I'm not lightweight. I'm just uh, didn't have hey, didn't hey, have anything. You call a lightweight, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you in the squared circle. Throw you off you're that turnbuckle. You're checking, checking the percentage on the light. Yeah, I, like, I, that's what it? I just did. <laughs> like, oh. I didn't have a whole lot for dinner. So, oh my God, that's funny. That so funny. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to throw out before we dive too deeply into thematic stuff, um, because I just, this, this movie surprised me, not because Beckley is not uh, a, a one who offers worthy um, content for us to cover, but I just, I had no idea what I was watching. And I was like, damn, this is pretty good. Um, this may get us into theme stuff, but. I talked about the um during that night, right? I talked about the staging of the the trunk sequence of, of saving Martin yeah. from Mr. in the trunk. Another just great moment, didn't see it coming, is when uh Mr. Martin and Bell wander into the revival tent and think Oh mm, man, yeah. Cultists have mm-hmm. collated themselves. Yes. And and it is not at all that. Uh and in fact, you know, is so is definitively a trap. Um and the fact that it was the cult uh, of the guys who tried to take sister, um, you know, I, I, I guess I just didn't see that becoming such a focal point. And sure. I'll kind of open this thought up to the two of you, like for for a movie that features a character who says we don't talk about religion and politics in here. Mm. This movie is very interested in religion <laughs> and politics and oh, they're very much so their value or lack thereof interesting that um, that line comes from one of the producers of the movie too yeah i, I figured that's who yes. you're referring to um mm. and i i don't know i i was really i was i just didn't anticipate that like there was a moment and i was forgiving of it there was a moment where you could have told me early on because of the amount of god talk in it in the script that it was like i'm being reductive here understand i'm not being dismissive just being reductive that it was like a group of Christians take on telling a vampire story, right? I, I would have oh, believed you at about the 30 minute mark. I don't think that's ultimately. And in fact, if anything, I feel like maybe they're basically being like, ah, yeah, no. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cracking the door open for some of that line of conversation. It can't, even though I think the movie is being dismissive towards a traditional organized religious expression, it can't be ignored that it ends with effectively an Adam and Eve character entering New Eden. Like that's Oh my god, no. Oh, oh. 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 Hold me. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. No, I'm not. So, I'm no. I'm <laughs> no, I'm saying come on in. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the water so, is uh, fine. I actually so so I'm 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 going to yes and you on on the surface a superficial viewing of this film and I'm not saying that you had a superficial yeah. viewing of the film, but I think just oh, sure. initially I did the first 30 minutes. It, yeah. It it feels like the film is being very antagonistic towards religion because of the Jebediah character, because he quotes scripture, because he talks so much about, uh, you know, he, he he weaponizes religion. But case in point, number one, well, you uh, it, it's further down my list. But yes, 
uh, I'm yes ending you Adam and Eve. It, the film ends with Adam and Eve entering into Eden like that. That can't be ignored, can't be dismissed, uh, not to mention all of the crucifix imagery everywhere that's throughout you know peppered throughout this film uh the the characters that the the vampires that they string up uh and then also uh just the presence of the character of sister she is not at all treated as if her uh belief is a sham she is very much treated very seriously uh very thoughtfully um and so her presence anybody who would point to this and say like oh yeah they're just you know, doing a takedown of religion, I would point exhibit number one, like you, you can't have a character like sister in this film and say that they are just trying to lambast sure. religion. Yeah, yeah. They're having a thoughtful interplay uh, about politics and religion. I definitely feel that way. Um, I had forgotten, but there's also a line I wrote down. I'll, I'll just kind of get it out of the way. I loved this line. It said in desperate, it's Martin so many, yep. much of his uh, voiceover, his voiceover. but he yep. wrote he he says in desperate times false gods abound we could just stop right there in desperate times false gods abound but then he said people put their faith in the loudest preacher and hope they're right i mean the the amount of thoughtfulness in a line like that which yes has a certain cleverness to it even has a certain what we would call bumper sticker nature to it uh but it reflects so much on the way this film is engaging with these subjects is it's not just saying like oh yeah isn't isn't religious thought terrible and stupid and foolish i i think that's very much the opposite of what this film is interested in it's also not you know um an apologetic for faith in hard times i think it's just having a thoughtful exploration of the ways people can respond uh, both the faithful and those void of faith uh, to devastating and desperate situations. And I, that, that was one of the things that just energized the heck out of me when I was watching this film this time that I had completely forgotten about from uh, my earlier viewing, but really, really responded to very strongly this time around. Sorry, that was all. That's me getting my energy. No, no, that's great. And in fact, wait. Yeah. very first on my themes list is the line from Martin you just quoted. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Beckley, you posited at the top of our conversation about, you know, and, and maybe you were inviting it of all of us, but I'm I'm curious from you specifically, like, you know, what this movie had to say 13 years ago, what this movie might be saying now, like, like, yeah. as you sort of observe that and ponder that, what, what are your, what are your kind of feelings and takeaways? It's hard to put myself uh, in the time of, uh, 2009 sure. 2010 that was like midway sure. through obama's yeah. first term and uh mm -hmm. i don't know we were coming out of the uh recession of that time or trying to right um but I, I can definitely see when you said desperate times false gods abound how that works how what that brings me to look at today <laughs> and all these, yeah uh, absolutely in this uh new election season and uh uh, people putting their faith in the loudest preacher and hoping they're right. I mean, you can you can attach that to politics and religion, um, mm -hmm. and you can think about what's what's the loudest voice and the the loudest preacher in either of those instances. And uh, is the loudest voice necessarily the most intelligent voice or the most thoughtful voice? No, rarely to never. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're the yeah, quiet, full, exactly. the quiet uh, voices that want to have a dialogue. Usually, not the ones that are just shouting at you. Uh, that are more the, the more intelligent, thoughtful ones. Um, 
But um, that, no, in, in this age of like uh, everybody having a platform, say on the internet, social media, or or yes. uh, yeah, YouTube or whatever, however they can get their voice out. Um, translate. Uh, yeah. I, I don't mean to rudely interrupt you, but huh? translate loudness with number of followers, number of whatever, like you know, the, the same, yeah. same influence, same deal. The the capital that volume buys you. Like the the pedigree that volume buys you, um, it, it stuck out, it stuck out to me so so profoundly. Thinking about this film uh, and and the ways people flock to volume, loudness, influence, uh, and and how often, as Nathan said just a second ago, like how often that's not uh, you know indicative of. Uh, and, and Nathan was kind of yes ending your thought. I don't mean to take away from you, Beckley, but like, you know, that the basically that's that's rarely the thoughtful, you know, scripture describes when the Lord came to Elijah as a still small voice. And boy, we don't we don't honor still small voices anymore. No. We honor volume. We honor bombast. We honor, you know, again, loudness, either by by size of people listening or by, you know extremities let me jump in there real quickly because i think i think i'm really fascinated and 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 you know hopefully um liquid courage uh won't steer me uh, wrong here but um <laughs> that's a stout blue moon. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but a couple of thoughts are, are are pinging here you know people put their faith in the loudest preacher and hope they are right that can be taken two ways the people doing the putting of faith in the loudest preacher are hoping they themselves are right in doing so. Right. Mm, mm. Also the people putting their faith in the loudest preacher are hoping that that preacher is right. Right. Yeah, it, right. It, it, it works right. both directions. And I think what's fascinating about that and, and you broached against this, we've broached against this of, of stillness and smallness is like, if, if you take that as okay, I'm the loudest preacher. I'm going to go with that guy and just, I'm just going to cross my fingers. I'm just going to, I'm just going to hope I'm right. It's almost like that's a misapplication. I, I know it is just sort of empirically, but that's such a misapplication of what it means to be hopeful. Right. Of, mm. of like, you know, it, it, because something that's fascinating and maybe this will apply to what I was just trying to articulate. Maybe it won't at all. And it's something co completely different, but the more intrigued I got by the things on this film's mind, as it went, the more kind of heartbroken I got by even, and I think the movie smartly s kind of tilts this way, but the more heartbroken I got by even our heroes kind of violence uh, from them, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense, like the, the need to commit violence. And I, and I do think that, you know, there's a world where we're not we're not going to litigate here the well if someone's trying to kill your family or are you going to act against them like that's not the point i'm trying no. to make but the point i am trying to make is just um things i think about sometimes partly because of my vocation being sales and and there is a um um don't overhear what i'm saying but there's a violence to the need to get ahead quote unquote right there's a there's a uh, a climbing uh, an on topness that's pursued um, that is, is very different than physical violence, but is still present. And so because of that, I still think, I think a lot about 
how impractical is silence, how unpursued is softness and stillness, even though it is precisely what we are called to, to live in. Right. Mm. I don't know if this is making any sense at all, but what this movie, the deeper the movie, the deeper the movie got, the more I was like, dang, man, even these folks who we know need to survive. We want them to survive. They need to get ahead. We are falling into some action movie tropes and that's okay. But it conjures for us that even just surviving isn't good enough for appropriate fullest expressions of a faithful living and fascinatingly the movie kind of ends with a version of appropriate and fullest expression of faithful living that of we don't know what's next but we're going to enter it together in hope and that thing will be new and better i don't know i don't i'm not confident they're headed towards New Eden, the, the entire movie. Yeah. And, and then the last shot is they're heading past the sign that says New Eden just ahead, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And I think the point I'm yeah. simply trying to make is the temptation to violence yeah. of so many sorts gets rationalized in a heartbeat, even by people who claim faith, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. I had to do yeah. it because X. It was It needed to happen because Y. Well, if we mm-hmm. didn't do this particular brand of violence, it would have been detrimental here. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about y'all's comments about the influence factor, the loudest factor, how, you know, those are tantalizing, those are bewitching. But that's exactly what, you know, we're kind of warned against. Um, I will shut up. I'm just well, we justify- to- the people justify the violence of of war against nations because they say that well if the other side wins that's going to be the end of our way of life as we know it but then the other side is saying that too in in certain wars um i think uh in in the movie the uh the antagonist jebediah uh, i think we when he first um had captured them and uh, they were tied up and he was talking to mr uh, mr was saying he was talking about the god of the cultists and and jebediah said uh well, you're going to meet him soon. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, he, he, he absolutely wants to, wants to kill Mister, as if there's there's no way they can come to an understanding and let them go. You know, just Mister just totally disgusts him. Yeah, I guess they 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 see they see the vampires as uh, a tool, a tool from their god that carries out his his, uh, his will on earth. But so. So anyone that anyone that's trying to get rid of this tool um, must be eliminated, right? That's what they're saying. I'm trying to see what the metaphor in that is exactly. But uh, well, I well, think. Uh, oh, we both started at the same time. You go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll try to frame the the thoughts I'm having this way. So mm-hmm. um, I just finished reading. <laughs> Received this us from Nathan and not from the fear of God or Beckley or Reed. Um, I just finished reading uh, David Gushy's newest book. He will, uh, uh, FYI, read. I'm, I'm scheduled to meet with him and talk with him again and, and share that with our listeners. Nice. Um, nice. But his newest book is called Defending Democracy from Its Christian Enemies. Okay. That's the name of the book, Defending Democracy from Its Christian Enemies. And <clears throat> which is is uh, one might accuse of a provocative title for the sake of being provocative. He's a smarter individual than that. But there's this 
there's this feeling that happened to me reading that book and, and effectively in a nutshell uh, behind its provocative title is the notion of how revolutions in societies lead to counter revolutions. And he sort of cites uh, uh, a number of nations, uh, Brazil, um, Poland, of course, Germany, um, and also too now the United States, where a revolution of a sorts happen of a sort happens. Uh, specifically, he would cite this, you know, kind of the uh, 60s ish era and that now we're in the midst of a counter-revolution where uh, democracy is is being not just challenged, but being shaken and and the pillars of it being uh, intentionally eroded uh, by those who claim the name Christian. And there's this world where, and I think the, the thing I'm trying to scratch at that I saw and felt in Stakeland, there's this thing reading a text like that where you start to feel kind of hopeless. You're like, oh my God, like the... Yeah the Aryans are dropping the vampires everywhere and we're all effed is the feeling you start to have. Mm -hmm. And so the need for a trustworthiness somewhere, the need for what you put your hope in to be right, not because you want it to be right, but because it is right. Those things that you place your hope in are going to not look like the loudest preacher to use the movie's terms. And, and again, I'll, I'll tie it off and then I'll shut up. But like, you know, this idea of he, he develops this, this construct of, um, authoritarian reactionary Christianity, ARC, this idea of Christians, um, being bewitched by authoritarian figures, uh, because of an, an application of a thread from scripture, not a real specific thread, but as in like an overarching idea, like, oh, well, it's supposed to be this person because they're the so-and-so. Um, and just our, our willingness to put our faith in that loudest preacher, even when that loudest preacher is an authoritarian and, and abusive and going to not have our good or even the common good in mind, but the good of themselves and their inner circle. Yeah, I'll shut up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. I um, yeah. I, we Christian thinkers. I say we, but I think broadly. I think we are very quick to attack the easy temptations, and more reluctant to attack the more insidious ones. What I mean by that is, it's very easy to attack. The temptations of sexuality or it's very easy to attack the temptations you know cert certain cultural absorption or like you know uh oh you're 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 okay with drugs or you're okay with alcohol or you're okay you know like th those kinds of erosions uh, are, are easy for people to attack um it is much harder to attack the temptation of power uh mm -hmm. the temptation to say "Ooh, i can uh, if I if I have this knowledge or if I have this position or if I have this thing, then then that is power. And what the Brotherhood in this film do is they they very directly see uh, the the spread of vampirism as God's judgment. They call it so in the film, and that's why they feel no reservations, probably not even a hint of a qualm. They see nothing against absolutely dropping the spread of this vampirism 
anywhere. And the temptation we have, and I will cite this temptation as 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 pretty ubiquitous. The temptation we have is that because we are right and because um, the people we are against need to be like destroyed, we lose the mission of 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 reconciliation and the the yes. mission of reclamation. We lose that, and I'll tell you, it happens everywhere. Um, it is easy to point to the the evangelical kind of framework to say like oh you know well uh we we castigate them we we can point at them and say oh well you're being very judgmental and there's a whole bunch of people that christ cares about that god cares about that you are dismissing and that you are reducing and uh hanging a lantern on on my own heart and mind i have to fight that against the people that I see doing that thing, because I have to recognize uh, Christ intends to reclaim them as well. And so it can be very uh, tempting to me to feel this vindictiveness when, uh, you know, in, in the interests of justice or in the name of justice, I may see like, oh, look at them. The, the, the bad guys are getting their comeuppance. And I have to check myself. I have to check myself and stop and say, wait a second. That is the same attraction and temptation to power. Nathan, you cited uh, our heroes and their sort of uh, passive reclamation of violence. By the end, when Mister finally departs, is when he sees Martin have no trouble just dispatching uh, a, a vampire that has come near their property. So he's like, "Okay, I can I can move on now. Martin's going to be okay." Um, and there's a tension there to be able to, uh, to like to have to reconcile the fact that you've become comfortable with. The position that power affords you and i feel like that's something that i'm really working in and of myself to try to uh be better do better live better know better about recognizing okay those those people that i would be willing to like run underfoot don't get me wrong uh, i'm very happy when jebediah like finally meets his comeuppance in this film but i think it is worth noting that the first time they try to dispatch him they make him stronger i think that is not mm an accident in the film that the first time they try to dispatch Jebediah, they create a bigger threat for themselves. And, mm. um, and I feel like that's something we should pay closer attention to in our own hearts and minds as well. That it's like, Hey, your, your efforts to try to, uh, eradicate this threat with this feeling of self-righteous vindictiveness, um, is likely to give birth to an even greater, more, perhaps more, widespread definitely stronger threat that you're going to have a harder time getting rid of and i feel like one of the central messages of christ on the cross is recognizing like oh man uh you cannot meet violence with violence and expect it to be expunged expect it to be extinguished that's not that's not the way that this all ends that's not the way this is all undermined um and and i feel like that's not necessarily the thesis of this film, but I feel like it's definitely something this film is interested in conversing with. It's it's interested in expressing, and it's also subtle. This is what this is what I freaking love about this film, is this film is not heavy handed with any of these things. They're there, they're textual, but they are not smacking you over the head with it. It's still rooted in characterization and well built narrative, but it is easily extracted from what you see in the smaller more subtle interiors of this film um, this is a this is a technical note but reed you and i talked at, at great length last week about in our shamalama wrap-up of of just uh you identified 
uh, Sir Knight's struggle sometimes with world building. This movie does an incredible job of, of world, of world oh, building. Like absolutely, they absolutely. do a lot of kind of just shorthand stuff that like tells you, oh, okay, that that's how the world is now. Um, you know, and just even some montage work that that does a lot of heavy lifting. Um, but no, I, I really love what you identified there, Reed, of the and and you kind of pinpointed what I was at least attempting to highlight of how the heartbreak I feel, even when people I know are, um, you know, are, are heroes is a bit too reductive a phrase, but for the purposes of, of the film construct, we'll, we'll use it. But the heartbreak I felt when they are utilizing a similar level of violence, uh, against, you know, the, the, the enemy as it were, that it just basically amplifies what, what was coming against them already. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Feel, because even when I don't know if y'all felt this, even when they're kind of lashing Jebediah to the, I think it's a tree or some other version yeah. of post, mm-hmm. um, the way it's shot, the way it's presented has a, a, a tone of like, this isn't right either kind of yes yeah yes. to it did i misread that or you feel like that was... well i think i saw martin like looking at mr like you sure you want to do this but he didn't he didn't yeah. say that out loud yeah. yeah there's something that i uh it didn't originate with me but i can't remember where i picked up on this but i talk sometimes when i'm trying to analyze a film talk about the god of the film and that doesn't necessarily have to equate to you know sure. the the god of the real but the god of this film uh definitely does not approve of their actions in that moment you can you can pick up on that by tone you can pick up on that by the way like the the moment you just cited steve like the way characters respond to what is happening in and around them and the way those things uh spiral into further consequence and action and everything like that you can kind of begin to get a sense of whether or not the 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 fictional god of of stakeland uh endorses or approves of what's transpiring and i think it's i think it's safe to say that's not the case particularly because by the fact that jebediah comes back and jebediah is the one that kills willie and jebediah is the one that kills bell and that they they lost uh two very dear you know kind of like family to them because of this choice that they had made that was purely rooted in vindictiveness they didn't have to go back for him they had escaped him they 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 could have just moved on down the line and there's something to be said for well the threat was always going to pursue them yes okay i'll give lip service to that but the choice they make in this film is a vindictive one they choose to yes. to to yes. trap these these brotherhood members and disguise themselves as brotherhood members to go in for the explicit purpose of killing jebediah um and and whether or not they were simply trying to neutralize a threat and what justifications could be made for there the spirit behind what they were doing the heart behind what they were doing uh, i think it, it is directly rooted into it getting worse for them down the line again i'm very impressed with this film's thoughtfulness even about subjects like that that it doesn't lay out some big detailed sermon about it just presents it for you and either you pick up on it or you don't but i think it's very very much there uh in in a in a rather overt way i uh i i will say this is kind of this will be my final statement on the on the thing and then we can either uh you know camp there for a second or we can move to fog meter um i know it's getting late for all of us but um i think my thing that i that i just that i walked away from this in that whole notion of 
just remembering this is a bit bumper sticker on my part. So forgive me and bear with me, but uh, just remembering not to get so desperate as to embrace uh, falsehood, um, mm. whether mm. that be false gods, uh, you know, to chase volume, to chase noise, to chase loudness, to chase, um, you know, influence. Steak. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, it was it was an encouraging and challenging reminder to not grow so desperate as to chase falsehood uh, when you it gets hard to cling to the truth when desperation arises because the truth's strength is more subtle and the truth's strength is uh, again getting back to you know when God came to Elijah as a still small voice um, just sitting in that in that pocket for a minute and and just hey don't don't get so desperate that you chase a lie just stop that don't don't get so desperate that you you know embrace falsehood because it aligns with you know your comfort or your security or it appeases your desperation um and uh i i am profoundly appreciative of you know even a film like this not only being entertaining i've talked a lot about what the film made me think about it's an entertaining movie to watch definitely has some heaviness but it's it's a good watch um and uh and so i'm appreciative of a film both being that and giving me so much to think about and yes pun intended chew on as stakeland um so. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned about the building of the tone and the way that it uh world builds uh during some mon- montages but there's also the voiceovers i mean sometimes film critics say that voiceovers are like a crutch that shouldn't be relied upon mm. um but i think it was used sparingly maybe four times during the movie um, yeah I believe any film, not not to get like super hyper um, sound uh, big headed or anything, but like I, I think any film convention is a crutch if it is used in an inappropriate way. People like to talk about like, oh, voice, you're, you're exactly right, Steve. People say like, oh, voiceover is a crutch. Any cinematic technique is a crutch if you deploy it thoughtlessly and use it to shorthand the hard work of characterization and world mm-hmm. building. This film does not do that. Um, Terrence Malick has pa- practically built an entire career over very thoughtful and engaging voiceover work um, in terms of in his yeah. films. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm applauding. I'm certainly not challenging or contradicting you, Steve. I'm just applauding. Yeah, this film deploys voiceover in a way that adds substance to it, not shorthand or, yeah, or shortcuts. I'm looking at a transcript of the uh, voiceover in the early part of the movie where Martin really goes over like why this is the world that it is at that point mm-hmm. and it almost makes me wonder um whether the filmmakers really had a had it out for the american south because they say how they're always going north they're going east or west but they're always north um <laughs> and they say cults spread like wildfire wildfire across the southern states waiting, oh, for, the Ma- waiting for the messiah but he never came death mm. came in its stead and it came with teeth when washington fell it was over for america as we knew her government yeah. blew away our great leaders ran for it and hope was abandoned pockets of civilization survived towns locked down behind fences and guns holding the night away and then at the movie new eden was canada uh, yeah. yes <laughs> oh yes didn't Don't miss you that. know 
no, I think I, and I, I remember like at least at least in my memory of my life, uh, the first time people were saying uh, they were going to flee to Canada was during the Bush presidency, uh, W. Bush presidency in the early 2000s. And this wasn't too long after that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, I, I will agree that the film is after some true things. The movie, the filmmakers also have some clear positions too yes mm-hmm. i don't disagree with that yeah i i, I don't disagree and with i don't that. say that as a negative just it's it, it's pretty clear but yeah uh, and I, I also i think i realized it when i first saw the movie but i just realized it just now too that the that the filmmaker the director uh jim mickle is uh is from the same town that i'm from he was the same birthplace as me Pottstown, really? Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. oh wow there, there's, a, there's a sign early in the movie that says Pottstown, like like a mileage sign and there's another one that says uh uh king of prussia which is another town near here southeast pennsylvania wow <laughs> so i think they were making their way north past southeast pennsylvania and into upstate new york i think that said it was also filmed up there too so wow that's awesome um well i i mean i'm 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 good if you guys are good yeah. we can we can I'm pivot good. to uh to to the fog meter the fog meter is our very specific metric um of fear and god it's how we rate these films not necessarily on their quality but on their gravity on their heft uh how much they ask of you as the viewer so stakeland uh directed and at least co-written by jim mickle is uh 2010 film uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and kick the door down steve you've been with us long enough you're 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 not a guest your family um so i'm gonna i'm gonna kick the door down with fear um i i say for fear i'm tempted to give this film some really high marks because of the the heaviness of some of the deaths and some of the oppression and things like that but i'm gonna temper that a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna land at an eight uh for the fear measurement for myself um steve i will come to you next what do you say for fear on this film 8.5 all right (laughs) i see you Uh, and raise you yeah i mean it's (laughs) it's bloody but it's this like inky black blood so it's not too realistic but uh, there's a lot of jump scares and uh and and it is that dark grimy world that keeps you in more not not quite of a jump scare but uh uh, the mood of uh dark and foreboding so i get that 8.5 Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you. Um, Nathan, what would you give Stakeland on fear? Uh, I think I'm going to go for a seven and that's largely based on context. Um, you know, watching it in the context in which I did, I'm keenly aware of, you know, my surroundings and, and less maybe, uh, vulnerable to scary elements, uh, traditional <laughs> scary elements, even if I do think the design of the creatures is pretty strong. Uh, I don't disagree at all. There's some some competent jump scares. Uh, a thing I didn't even mention, but thought was incredibly well uh, designed, even if it was very predictable, was the finding of the scamp in the attic or oh, you know, sure. you know, mm-hmm. third floor. That was a mm-hmm. really, really well delivered moment. <laughs> That was a really well developed moment. Um, <laughs> seven. I'm going to give a seven for, All right. for fear. Awesome. What would you give it for the God meter? I'm going to give it a 7.5. I'm going to pull a lackey here. All right. So I love it. I think it is, it, it decidedly has deep things on its mind and does a overall really good job of kind of deploying those. Um, even if I'm not sure it totally knows what it's actively saying just by virtue of its ending. 
Um, hmm. but, but overall, I mean, it's, it's smart. Um, and it does well what it is doing in a way that I was genuinely surprised by. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve, what for you on the God meter? Okay. Um, I like the way that, uh, the film, it does have a lot on its mind and, uh, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't spell it out exactly. It leaves you up to you to come to your own conclusion of what it's saying. And, uh, and there's a lot of symbology in there and, uh, and there's like explicit God mentioned in the movie, so, but uh, so you could take it for you could take it really heavy or, or not so much. But uh, I think I'll go for take a seven point five and raise it to an eight. <laughs> All right, see you and raise you. That's yep. kind of that's the kind of energy I like. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm 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 just gonna say it. The for me, uh, God meter on this is a ten. Um, wow. All right, I was really really taken with the film's thoughtfulness i was really taken with the way what could have on the surface i i don't disagree with what you said that the, the filmmakers clearly had a point of view and they clearly had some opinions about some of these subjects but i was quite impressed at their capacity to infuse thoughtfulness and nuance and uh, a bit of counterbalance to some of those more voracious elements with some things that, you know, may not have been hyper superficial, but were there and were present in the text for the taking. So, um, so yeah, I, I've thought so much about this film since I saw it and, um, and it was really, really appreciative of getting to think about those things. And, uh, and it's just, yeah, I think, I think it's exceptionally a, a great film to discover in in this time period and that means that we give stakeland an eight out of ten on nice. the fog meter which is a That's pretty legit. substantive showing um but uh the more relevant question probably coming to no surprise to anybody but do we recommend this film steve i'll start with you do you recommend stakeland to our listeners yes i do yeah i would definitely recommend it to anyone who's a fogger and uh who loves horror I don't mm -hmm. know if I would it, recommend it to the general public, but uh, <laughs> people who only see a couple of movies a year, but but all of us who uh, love horror movies, I would definitely recommend it to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nathan, what say you? Yes. To <laughs> Stake and to the movie Stakeland. Right. And to Land. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, like, mm. it's all very recommendable. Um, yeah. If you couldn't tell by my energy during the conversation, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend this film. Um uh, taking your note there steve yeah if, if you're listening to this show and you like enjoy this show uh you should prioritize Stakeland. i think you are really gonna find it to be a valuable use of your time um and uh yeah i i highly recommend it uh it, i was very very happy to have rediscovered it after merely it sitting in my memory as something that i just yeah that was a good movie um it's it's definitely risen exponentially in esteem in my mind so thank you steve for suggesting this this was another entry in our uh remnant fogaweener series from last year's uh fogaween the recommendations that the patrons gave to us you're quite so, welcome yeah i really appreciate the chance to get you i mean I, i'm not saying this just because you're here you you've recommended us <laughs> some some cool stuff that uh that 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 we always have a really really good time not only watching them and talking about them, but having you on here to talk about them. So thank you as well for being here. Uh, Nathan, thank you as always. Listeners, thank you for hanging with us. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. So in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Next week, next week we are going to be doing another one of these, but it's not uh, a fog -a wiener 
We are going to be doing a Lackey Leftovers. This is a film that from the moment, listen, our seven-year anniversary, this is Nathan's anniversary present to me that I get to pick this next movie. <laughs> um, uh, I have wanted to talk about this film uh, from the show's inception, not because it's this volcanic, amazing, inception? iconic film. Uh, no, um, no, but uh, no, uh, <laughs> not because the film is, you know, like an icon, legendary thing of horror, but just because of its personal resonance to me. And I'm super excited to talk about it. It's a film from 1981 that was made for TV. And the fact that it is still in uh, pretty, pretty regular conversation in, in niches of the horror community after all that time, a made for TV movie uh, is all the more impressive. But it's a film I love. It's called Dark Night of the Scarecrow. That's the film. Dark Night of the Scarecrow from 1981. Uh, Pretty readily available on certain outlets to rent. I don't know if it's, as of this recording, I don't know if it's located on like Prime or uh, or Peacock or anything like that. But it it is on Shudder, actually. Uh, I know that it was. It did a stint on Shudder for a little while. Um, But uh, Dark Night of the Scarecrow from 1981 is where we're going next week before we branch into Screamoween, which is how we will be spending our spooky season. We're going to be marching through the Scream franchise. So we're very much looking forward to joining, uh, you know, our listeners, all of us for that. Uh, But next week, Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Thank you all again. We will see you all next week. See you guys. See you. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There, you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>